Hi there, I'm Barry Forward, and welcome to the Reboot Forward podcast. This is the podcast where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of change, reinvention, transformation, and just plain doing something different. In particular, how it impacts the people who go through that change, what they've learned from their journey through change, and ultimately, what has allowed them to reboot forward. Hi there, Rebooters. Welcome to the Reboot Forward podcast. Today, we're going to change it up a little bit and talk with one of the rising forces in Canadian theater and improv, Ali Froggett. Ali describes herself as an improviser, actor, writer, and instructor, but she brings so much to the table and is a powerhouse when it comes to the business of theater and bringing her own spin to impro performance. Allie's mission, according to her website, is to foster genuine human connection and sustainability, with the profits from that coming from the social benefits that come out of her work, including laughter, connection, happiness, education, community involvement, and development. People who attend Allie's improv classes describe them as transformative coming out of them more confident and ready to celebrate who they are as real, authentic individuals. Allie has performed and taught improv on stages around the world, including in the UK, Germany, the Czech Republic, the United Arab Emirates, and across Canada. She has worked with many of the leaders in Canadian improv, including Rebecca Northern. She started her improv journey in Calgary, Alberta as a 16-year-old with the Loose Moose Theatre Company with Keith Johnstone, the creator of theater sports, and Loose Moose's artistic director, Dennis Cahill. She has performed in numerous international improv festivals, including Improvaganza, Vancouver International Improv Festival, and is the founder and co-artistic director of the Canmore International Improv Festival. She is now based in Vancouver and launching her own impro theater company and stage called Tightrope Impro Theater. If you haven't heard the name Allie Froggett by now, you will start hearing it very soon. She is someone who makes theater and improv happen, and she's improvising and changing all along the journey to bring it to life. So Allie, this podcast is about change. What does change mean to you? Wow, what does change mean to me? The start of something new is what change means to me. And it hasn't always been something positive. I've had a lot of fear in regards to change in the past, but I've created a different relationship to it. And I would say in large part because of my work with improvisation. <laughs> so when you say fear, fear plays a big role in that? Yeah, I really do think so. It's this fear of the unknown, this fear of losing control because something's going to be different and you may not be equipped to deal with it right away. I think there's a lot of fear with that of, of losing what once was and not, uh, and being worried of, of what's to come. I think it's the big fear of the unknown that comes with change. But isn't it per pervasive? It's, it's everywhere. People are, mm -hmm. people are fearful running around. How, how does theater improv, differ or is it the same well it's interesting improvisation is 
built on change. It's, it's about change. It's about being adaptable. Uh, and the way that I've been taught and the way that I, I teach is all about that change is the, is the most important part of it to see two people in a story or see the characters on stage be altered. We want to see them be changed. That's why we go to the theater. That's why we listen to stories. We want to have that dramatic action. We want to see people go through something and be affected by it and see some sort of change. So really, I, the way that I approach theater and improvisation is it's all about change and investigating change. <laughs> one, of the, one of the lines you use in your description of the work or your relationship with improv mm. is this value of authentic onstage relationships. And the end part of it is above all the truth of the moment. How Mm -hmm. does that play with fear? Well, uh, I find you're not available to acknowledge the truth of the moment. If you're living in fear, if you're living in fear, you're probably disconnected from the moment because you're trying as best as you can to control the outcome. And when you're coming in with a need for control and planning and whatnot, you're not available to see what's right in front of you. So this practice of improvisation is really the practice of letting go of that fear so you can be available to what is actually happening in the moment and honor the truth of the moment. But don't we all want to be in control? Don't we want to be in control of our actions or, you know, be deliberate? (laughs) um yes i believe yeah but i don't know how it's such an interesting conversation i don't know how useful it is um i find i the more i think about it it's like okay well really we have no control and (laughs) don't mean to go too existential but the fact that we're all you know at some point like the only guarantee is we're all gonna die someday and we don't have a control over that so i see through a lot of my work people's desperate need to control what they can. And that might just be like what you're going to say at the beginning of a scene on stage or how people may perceive you, but really we don't have any control. So let's, let's roll back the clock uh, to when (laughs) you started out this journey as a, a a theater person. Is that what we describe you as, as a performer, as a, Improviser, you know, yeah. Improviser. What was it at that young age? Because you started quite young I in did, your teens. Yeah. How did you get over fear then? Uh, how did you get through this? How did you reconcile that whole dynamic that's playing, you know, especially through adolescence? My gosh. Oh, yeah. I was so fortunate, so lucky to have gotten connected to this company called Loose Moose Theater at such a young age. Um, I was 15, 16 years old when uh, I went there. And the whole company, like the practices there all revolved around failing forward and, and failing being something positive. It, it creates opportunity for discovery. And when I first went there, I just saw all of these amazing improvisers who were just breaking every rule that I'd ever learned in terms of theater or, you know, whatnot. And they were so badass. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's all these people just breaking rules and being hilarious. And it was really theatrical and exciting. And so I was totally hooked. 
And yeah, the fear is totally, totally there. But I was really lucky because at the company and Dennis Cahill, who's the artistic director, he would give you just unlimited opportunities. Like I was really, really fortunate as a, when I, my first experiences with improv was getting to perform on stage in front of a hundred people any given Friday night, uh, and failing in front of a hundred people and then going back into notes and the, my mentors being like, great, like you learned something new. That was, that was, uh, you know, we need that moment. This is how you'll improve next time. And then I got the chance to do it all over the next week. And so I think it was really, it made a huge difference to be able to fail in publicly like that over and over again, and to be supported in that and to, for them to say like, no, this is, this is good. Like, this is the way that you learn. Also, we're doing improvisation. People came to see you walk that tightrope. <laughs> like if everything was, you know, really well rehearsed and perfectly executed, it would be pretty depressing if people knew we were improvising and we were that good. So it was a really, just a really supportive environment that, that I'm really grateful I got to get into at such a young age. Some might say that Allie Froggett is uh, a unique animal. She was, <laughs> well, she, you are, but uh, back in when you were a teenager, you just, you, you had it, right? You had this ability to, 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 to fail forward already. Is I it guess, embedded? Yeah. Is it embedded in all of us, this, this ability, or is it something unique that you develop or is it, you're born with it? I think it's something that's learned. I, or, you know what, it's something maybe, maybe different. It's un, unlearned. Like I think as kids, we're so open and excited and we don't understand what failure is until somebody points it out and, you know, and, and tells us we've done something wrong or shames us for, for making a mistake. And I think that it's a process of undoing all that damage that's, that's put on us through the education systems and the way that, um, you know, some parenting is done, not to say like discipline's not get, it can be good, but, you know, I think there's needs to be a shift in how we, uh, acknowledge failure instead of punishing it. It should be something celebrated because it really is the fastest way to learn something new. So walk, walk us through that. What, how would, I just learned to love failure and how would you teach it to me as, as a teen, because a teen, we're trying to size up, we're trying to fit in, we're trying to make sense of the world. How will you, would you uh, propose letting me into that world of failure? Well, through various games and exercises and celebrating it and showing that we all actually enjoy those moments that, that failure can bring discovery. So I think it's creating environments where, yeah, you, you mess up, you say something wrong and it's like, it's okay. Well, now you've learned and it's positive. There's this great game we play, uh, in improv and it's, uh, scenes with no S's. And so you get two improvisers on stage and you set them up in a scene, uh, and they can't use the letter S. And as soon as one of them uses the letter S in, in any word, you, they leave and another improviser taps them out and comes on and continues the scene. And as soon as you set that up and tell the audience, the audience wants to see someone fail, right? We've given this promise. And as soon as the person does, you get this huge laugh and there's this big release 
of tension and we all love it. Whereas if you see two people going on and on perfectly, avoiding the letter S and becoming quite robotic, it just becomes stale and it's it's not as entertaining. So I think there's something really charming that you start to figure out about somebody, you know, making a mistake and being totally okay with it. It's infectious. It's this good natured attitude that's really playful. Um, it, and that, it, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say it goes back to this authenticity that you, the value of authentic presence, I'll, my words, and then <laughs> just being whatever it is. And it's that ability to be vulnerable in the moment that people yeah. want to see. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I think if you can, what I've learned is if I go on stage and I make a mistake, but I don't look defeated. In fact, I, I look playful and accepting of it. The audience is so relaxed. And I do believe that they enjoy seeing that because I've sat there as, as an audience member. And when you see that behavior, you're like, oh my God, that's so great. That gives me hope for myself, <laughs> like that I could make mistakes and survive it and be okay. Whereas it's when we see people make mistakes and then punish themselves, it's so painful to watch because we're so hard on ourselves. <laughs> one of the things I've, I've taken one of your classes and I'll just mm -hmm. confess that to everybody who's <laughs> listening to this, uh, you know, this whole idea that I have to be funny, mm. right? I have to be funny uh, in improv is, is part of this. What I'm hearing from you is part of is, is just that is that I don't have to be funny. I just have to be real. Absolutely. Is absolutely. That, does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's, it's a common misconception. People come in and they're like, it must be funny, it must be funny. And the way I see it is that comedy will always be a product of improvisation. You don't have to worry about creating it or finding it. Like it's, it's going to happen because if we're true to the moment and you're there and you're making things up, it's going to happen. And a lot of the best comedy comes out of the mistakes. And the improviser is taking the mistakes and using them as gifts or acknowledging them. And then there's this exchange between the performer and the audience where it's like, we all saw you mess up and we all recognize ourselves in that. And, and we're not punishing ourselves. In fact, we're laughing at it and laughing with each other. And there's great, great comedy that comes out of there. Um, I was talking about this recently too, with, with some colleagues of mine, just about um, the difference between a cold laugh and a warm laugh. And just how there's some comedy that is at the expense of others. And that's usually, you can hear it as a cold laugh. And you'll hear it the way people laugh. And it's a little more in the chest. And then there's a warm laugh that comes from recognition of, of truth. And it's in the belly. And when you get a whole audience belly laughing, you know you've, you've hit something. Something great and truthful that connects everyone. So I think, yeah just being true to who you are and going in play with a sense of play and discovery. That's where the real comedy comes from. It's, it's not from trying to go in looking for it. Is it the unexpected that comes up? Is it, we just don't expect it or it's just raw? I think a, a, a mix of both. And sometimes the best Sometimes really great comedy comes from things that the audience do, does expect, right? You you set up a situation on stage and everyone's like, oh, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. I hope it goes away. Oh my God, it did. Yay! 
yes. And everyone burst out laughing because they're like, I was hoping that that's what would happen. So it's a mix. I don't know. It's a, a variety of all those things that can create real comedy gold when it comes to improvisation, I believe. You've been on this journey for over a decade and you've for been working your craft, I'll call it. <laughs> yeah. How has it changed? How is your relationship with this fear changed from those early days as a teenager to showing up at the Edinburgh fringe? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's changed a lot and then it hasn't changed at all because this, your relationship with fear is a lifelong journey. It's not something that happens overnight and I'm glad you brought up Edinburgh. So I, uh, I did the Edinburgh Fringe. I was the understudy for the amazing Rebecca Northern for her show Blind Date, in which I've started uh, to work as one of her memes. So I was the understudy for that big festival. And it was it was so exciting, but it was also a lot of pressure because this is a very successful show that's been internationally recognized and celebrated. And, you know, it's, it's a uh, big shoes to fill. So the expectation every night for the most part I put on it was that it needs to be a fantastic show. And at the Edinburgh fringe, you never know when you're going to have reviewers or bookers in the audience. So it's like every show needs to be a 10. And so I put all that pressure on myself. Rebecca didn't put that pressure on me. She's amazing. And understands the process and the relationship with fear better than anyone. Um, so I'd gone through, right. I've been doing this for over 10 years and I teach people about, you know, changing their relationship to fear and failure. And, and I've gotten so far with it and then cut to, I'm in this very high stakes situation, this big opportunity for me and my career. And I just turn him back into that 15 year old improviser improvising for the first time who's going and trying to be funny and wanting to do a good job and doing all the opposite things that I train people. And it's just like, okay, no, this is totally human. These are just natural fear behaviors. And it, it took me, you know, a few shows in to realize like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> just relax, stop trying to do a good job. Just be there, follow your training. And, and that's where it happens. So as much as I've, I've made big leaps and bounds with my relationship to fear, no one's exempt from it. It's something you have to, you know, check on all the time. So what is that little inner child, Allie, sitting on your shoulder talking to you? What's whispering in your ear and maybe sharing with uh, someone else who's going through it? What are you telling yourself in the moment? Well, it's like, I really want to do a good job. I really want to do this right. I want to be like, I want the audience to love me. I want them, I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. You know, all of those superhuman things that are, that are super normal to want. And then it's just me being like, okay, well, you know, that the way to achieve those is the opposite of trying to achieve those things. So it's stop trying and just give yourself permission to, as Keith Johnstone would say, be average and just work on inspiring your partner. And Blind Date is a, is a fantastic show for this because really all I need to do is, is focus on my date because no matter how scared I am, he's probably 10 times more scared than me. So when I focus on him and I focus on my partner, it relieves, alleviates the pressure from myself and I have something to focus on. And in turn, 
the show ends up turning out great and we're present and we have this uh this wonderful theatrical moment in time for 90 minutes that <laughs> maybe is- maybe set up the for someone who's not familiar with blind yeah, date sure. how did it work so blind date what happens is there's this uh sexy french clown named mimi who's been s- stood up on a blind date so she uh asks a willing audience member to come up and join her and they go on a 90 minute blind date so it's always a civilian, never a plant, never an actor. We talk to uh, the audience in the lobby beforehand and, and see who'd be interested and get consent. And then uh, we bring them on stage and do a show. And in, you know, I know that everybody is, a, you know, it, you get what you get when you pick, pick the audience member. But yeah. what would you say is the key to the success of that dynamic? of picking an audience member and you as trained improvisation professionals. Yeah, we, well, the show's been running for over 10 years. So the company, Rebecca and the whole blind date cast and crew really have it down to an art. It's, it's looking for someone who's reluctantly playful. As we say, we want somebody who would be willing to just be themselves. So not someone who's too eager to come on stage, and uh, not someone who doesn't want to come on stage. We'd never pick somebody who doesn't want to be up there. But, you know, we try and gauge kind of, you know, if it was a, a cocktail party, somebody that you'd, you'd like to continue talking with. Um, finding someone who's comfortable just being themselves is definitely uh, the key we, well, that we look for, for sure. So here, quest, a little bit different question taking us... Uh back in time a little bit. If you had to yeah. go back in time and look at your younger self and you could do something different in your career, what would it be yeah. and why? <laughs> Honestly, um, I don't think there's much that I would change because it's all led me to being the person I am now. I mean, the only thing I would say, honestly, I like, and this is such a gag, but I'm like, I would as a child, just like hold a handstand for a minute every day. And and then now I'd be so good at handstands and I'd be in such good shape. <laughs> is what uh, That's like the only thing that I'm like, Oh, I should have just like, <laughs> you know, or just uh, pursued, you know, maybe it's, um, I would uh, have tried to pursue dancing a little more uh, seriously as a, as a teen, I was in a dance studio that I kind of had a negative experience with. Um, So maybe it would be that, but something along those lines, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm so, I'm so grateful for, I've been really, really lucky with uh, the places I've been able to train and the people I've been able to work with that have turned into my mentors and my friends. And now my, colleagues um so i i I feel really lucky so that's the past you uh you've obviously (laughs) been on a great journey Uh, what what's what's next what what do you see as next for you and of course the what we'll call the worldwide state of improv and theater right now yeah well actually before the pandemic started um i had been in the process of starting my own theater company uh, to produce improvisation, uh, theatrical improvisation and teach and 
and just explore the possibilities of the art form. The, my goal is to advance the art form of improvisation uh, through training and through shows and investigation. Um, really excited. I'm doing, uh, I'm working with the UBC right now uh, to do improv for brain health. And they're actually going to be doing a study on how improv can impact your overall brain health. So that's the kind of stuff I'm really excited about is just seeing where improv can go and where these, you know, skills and philosophies, how they can expand past just creating stories on stage and also investigating what's possible for the stage as I I'm really passionate about that as a performer and an artist. So, so yeah, what, the- what, what is, what has improv done to your brain? <laughs> to my brain so much. I mean, I feel like I, I can't, I don't really have an idea of a before and after because I started at such a young age, but I do believe that it's kept me very playful and creative that everything has an edge of comedy and discovery to it. Um, I, I really do. I think so. And, and just creating more patience and yeah. (laughs) Would, Would the world be a better place with more improvisation going on? I, I hope so. I think so. I think there's a lot to be gained from it, especially just the relationship we have with failure and the ability that improv allows for us to play. I think we could all use more play in our lives and we could all be a little easier on ourselves and on each other. So if someone wants to jump into one of your classes, your online classes, what's the best way for them to connect with Allie Froggett? Well, uh, my company is called Tightrope Impro Theater. So you can look us up online. Uh, you can also look me up online at alifrogget.com and there is a uh, contact available on there. And yeah, feel free to reach out. I, um, I've been teaching on Zoom, been doing a variety of classes on Zoom since the pandemic hit. Um, and we'll hopefully go back into some more in-person stuff as soon as restrictions lift. But yeah, please reach out. I'm, I'm so open to, yeah, making all sorts of new connections. Fail forward, fail often, and see what happens. Thanks again, Allie, for showing us just how important it is to celebrate and learn from failure. Thanks again to you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to contact myself or any of the guests we have spoken with, including Allie Froggett, please drop me an email at barry at rebootforward.com. Until next time, let's reboot forward.